0: The grammatical construction could be such that it is the equivalent of being read as that from the evil that is produced by what he created. It is not that God creates the evil. But God creates certain things, and these certain things, God creates the created, and the created creates the evil. The other view was the one that says, No, I seek refuge from the evil from the worst of from the worst of evil that God has created. And this goes back to the age old debate in Islamic history between the Mu'tazila. And Ahlul Hadith as to whether God creates evil or is evil simply the absence of good. So, is it that God created evil and good, or is it that God only created good? But when people fail to exploit this good, evil comes to be. This is not. Did God create light and darkness, or did God just create light? And the absence of light is what creates darkness. In other words, there is no dark created, simply the absence of God's light, and then darkness sets in. The notion here is the Mu'tazila found it extremely distasteful to say that God created evil, because think about it, evil could be sexual child abuse, to to, to, uh, to sexually abuse a child. And they said, are you willing to say that God created the idea that a child could be sexually abused? This cannot be. God is too honorable for that, to have thought of this and say, well, let me create this possibility. No, rather God created things that are in their nature good, but human beings By feeling or by denying their existence, like, for example, when you come and you block out light, then the darkness comes in. But it is not God's evil. This is the debate that always surrounds when Shavrima Khala. Does it mean this or mean that? Okay. You can see that the meaning is going to change. So you are seeking the refuge refuge from God, the caretaker who created this this dynamic process of existence with all the subtle inner meanings of of self-purification. From the evil of what has been created, whether created by God or created by by God's creation. What is this What is it? Thabit al-banani said that it's hellfire and this represents a trend by the way in much of the quranic commentary everything was interpreted in terms of hell and heaven in other words the theology of and this is particularly in hadith the theology of islam reduced itself invariably to heaven and hell in every so and and consequently Everything, heaven had to have all the pleasures and hell had to have all the displeasures. And all the pleasures of heaven had to be very material. That's why Ahl al-Hadis, for example, is one of the school that emphasizes very heavenly sexual pleasures in heaven. Because what is the response to the self-reserve? and and, and indulgence in food, that you eat as much as you want and you don't gain weight. And you eat whatever you want. All the pleasures within the Ahl al-Hadith school are very physical, very material, very real. No, it is not your soul, it's not you're going to be a stated bliss where you think you're enjoying. No, you're going to have your body, you're going to have a physical entity, and you are going to experience pleasure very much in like you experience it on this earth with all its gory details and you will consistently see that they interpret nearly every discourse in the Quran as one that has to do with heaven and hell. And consequently in here Shawri Khalaq was interpreted as simply hell. And the evidence for all the interpretation is always in preparation. Uh, either tradition or just the, like uh, Quranic verses about and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, if you notice know from the Quran, it talks about the beauties of heaven, but it does not promise specific in physical indulgence. I mean, it, it talks about their existence in in, in always obscure references. And then the, the other context, all of that it well it is because it is not really ultimately about everything reduces itself into heaven and yeah, hell, but everything really reduces itself into And then we got to all the same, whether, whether the love of God, that you love God, and, and eventually you love God so much that you don't need heaven, you don't want heaven, and so on. This debate, this argument, when, when the Ahl hadith one of the Ahl al Hadith people stood up Upset by this whole notion, and he said, "By God, if, if, if God promised me, promises me as much as a as a date in in heaven and doesn't give it to me, I will sue him." And this is this, this became famous as one of like the earmarks of how heated these these debates were. It's, it's simply that God promised very physical pleasures, and he expects us to You Don't expect to come and say, well, you know, do you like heaven or would you like to see me instead, for example? God telling you that. As the Ash'ariya insisted that God will come and say, okay, you can have all these pleasures of heaven, or alternatively, you can see me in my, in my real form. And then the true believers would say no to see God instead. That upset al-Khadith because it said it's, it's not this makes no sense for God to promise you, promise you all of this and then come and put you in rather a, an embarrassing situation where, to be polite, you have to say, see you, but perhaps you don't want to you want to go enjoy the present. So they they didn't like that. Anyway, the, the book that actually taught, the best book I know that was written in the 5th century, Hijra that talks about it we read, we read the parts of it in Islamic texts, is uh, Tanbis Iblis like in al Khwani in said, again the same Hassan, the, the grand uh, son, son of Ali, he said we don't need to get into whether God created evil or not, but just as a matter of truth, a matter of reality. The words of God, creation is not. Who everyone agreed God created and turned out to be the real dispointer, mm-hmm. Iblis. It is basically the al Iblis. That you are asking God to protect you from Iblis. Ibn al-Shazara, one of the very early commentators of the Quran, we found his, his text that hasn't been published, said that basically, it, it, this is, goes back to the Ahl al-Hadisi position, that you are seeking refuge from the evils that God has created on this earth, on, in, the, in, in the final day as well, in the heavens. So basically it's a blanket request for protection from Allah, from all the evils that God created everywhere. And say, you know, God, I know you've created all these evils as a form of justice, etc., etc. Please, save me from them. Since you created them, you can also keep them away from me, Please keep them away from me. The Mu'tazila, however, and some of the very early commentators like Muqatil and al alibi and others have said no, this is very much like saying that you are asking Allah to help you, protect you from the evil that His creation creates. So in other words, you're saying please protect me from the evil that human beings do. So it is not that you are seeking refuge from the evil that God created, but from the evil that those that God created commit. I tend to believe that Allah did not create evil. This is my own view. I mean this is my own view believe whatever you want. But I think this particular ayah could refer to shara as evil, it could refer to shara as simply harmful. So, if I say min ma khalaq, I could mean a snake. Please don't let a scorpion bite me tonight. So I read bin khalaq, min khalaq. I could have in mind a scorpion. I mean, it is not a scorpion is evil, but vis a we mean a scorpion is harmful. But also, I mean, protect me from a mass murderer who might walk into my bedroom and slaughter me. Now here, that evil is not God's, it's the evil of this mass murderer, but I want protection from both, from the harmful and the evil. That's, in my view, Shar here is is more difficult. So, in this co- process of dynamic combustion, what we call the dynamic combustion of creation, there's a lot of harm created. You know that, and I know that. You know, a lot of potential damage is created from the the, the dynamic combustion of creation, the deconstruction and recreation, the constant process of regeneration. You are asking God, okay, I know that you are the Lord of Taraq. This is your sunnah in the world. Please protect me from the worst of it, from the most harmful of it, from the most evil of it. Now, غَاسَق itself, it's a word with a very particular sense. The غَاسَق is a flow that is harmful. That's the literal meaning, meaning of غَاسَق. غَاسَق is something that flows but is harmful. So, for example, if the pus comes out of an altar and starts flowing, we call that Rasa. That's what a Rasa is. That's why we say the pus of the people in hellfire is called ghasak, sometimes pronounced risa. So, the, the, the pus that flows or that covers the people in hellfire the, the, hereafter even has that term. But that's a technical term, that's the most literal meaning of the word. So. When we would say the, the, the an answer overflowed with pus, we say Ghasakat <laughs> al-Qurha. Ghasakat al means that the answer has now become overflowed with pus. So you can sense that Ghasak means the overflow of something that's not very nice, not very exciting. Means Ghasak is from the evil of the flow of something is our literally means to to commence to enter. Thekhala Ibn Shahab reported that the disappearance of the sun and the entry of the night is what Ras. The spread of the night and the disappearance, and then the gasat, is the, this, this flow of the sun outwards, out of sight. And waqab is the spread of the night. That's the opinion of Ibn Shahab. Because of Hadith from Aisha, I usually don't mention in the hadith unless they're, they're, they're interesting for some reason or another. The uh, the prophet is walking and then he holds her hands and he says ya Isha taawadi billah min shabli uh, min shabli ghassaq ida waqab and then he taawadi billah seek refuge in Allah from the ghassaq ida waqab and then he points to the moon and he says wahaz al ghassaq al ladi waqab that then this in this view then ghassaq ida waqab from the evil of uh, The moon, as it progresses through the night, and the darkness spreads. Now, here this Hadith, although of good show, is problematic. It's problematic because it seems to not fit within I mean, imagine you are what are the circumstances by which this is not the first time you've seen the moon, I would assume. And it is not the first time that the Prophet has seen the moon, it is not the first time that Aisha has seen the moon. And what are these circumstances in which he holds Aisha's hand and he says, seek refuge from Allah, seek refuge in Allah from the moon. I mean, if this was a principle that all of us Muslims should know about, why did he not announce it to everyone? Why is it that he would only tell it to Aisha? And why Aisha and not his other wife? He's playing favorites with Aisha. So that he wants to protect her from the moon, but his other wife can be damned. Because of this, not because of snap snap is okay, but because of these metal issues, this hadith becomes suspect. Because if, which one seriously, seriously doubts that Aisha has reported it. It seems strange. Unless it was merely sort of poetical advice, not intended to have any theological or any legal consequence. And consequently, it would just convey to Aisha as his friend. You know, like I talk with you and I say, I'm walking with you somewhere and I say, you know, the moon. Always beware of the moon. Nights when the moon are are, are out are always miserable. I don't intend this to be a position uh, or a philosophy, but simply the cataring of friends. The third is basically the night. The is the spread of the darkness generally. Why? Because evils have a tendency to be committed at night. This is where your defenses. Weaken and your reservations become less vigilant. The night has a sort of a um, numbing effect on us. Some of us completely, some of us hardly, some, are not, some of us really not at all. But the night is generally where the balance of evils tend to be committed. And the balance of dangers tend to increase as well. That, in most cases, you will find that most adulteries or fornications are committed at life. Most, well, I mean, I don't know if that's true today about murder and so on, but most egregious kinds of, of crimes and break-ins and so on are always in the life. And here, that's why Ibn Abbas, the companion of the Haq, father, and the Sadi, one reported that basically okay, now that we, we ask generally for protection from the evils that are produced from this dynamic process of creation and recreation, we specifically we get more particular, more specific, and ask particularly from the types of evils that emerge during this period of existence, which is night. And by the way, also most enlightenment is reached at night. So that you are asking for, because now you're asking for this combustive process of recreation, you ask for generally from the evil that results. And then because a lot of it will happen at night, then you specifically ask for the evil that will result at night. However, in all these commentaries, there is sort of a dislike of the night or a fear of the night. Now in the context of Arabia, that makes perfect sense. I mean, if, if you don't have electricity and you're not writing things, so on, the night is, while beautiful and majestic, is also eerie and mysterious and truly scary. Several of the later commenta- Quranic commentators after the third century Islamic said, no, Ghasik, as we said, is something that flows with a negative connotation. And mukhab basically means something dahal, enter or spread. And he said, look, you are asking Allah to, you are acknowledging that Allah is the God of talaq. Talaq, as we said, the combusted recreation, regeneration process. The devil, be evil created, and you ask for protection from it, then you are also asking for protection from what is the product of this combustive process, not just the immediate evils like the ulcers that appear on a body, right, but the byproducts of these evils that often are slow and not easily discernible but yet cumulative and quite destructive. This is, to give you a sense, like not, you're not, shara is the ulcer, let's say. And what is the qasq italaqad? Let's say the pus that flows from the ulcer. You know, it's sort of something slow, you are not. You might not even always notice it, but it is quite, or, you know, if you can imagine, the most grotesque pimple. In many ways, a pimple is necessary for your body, I mean, you've got to get rid of your dirt somehow, all these dead microbes and stuff like that. Okay, but let's imagine that there is something that could result from it, but it's quite distressing. And that is what: yeah, pus that starts flowing. But here, in the social context, and several, like the Zamakhshari and others have, have written about this, have said that what sometimes forms out of this combustive, exhausting process is a malady that creeps up slowly but corruptively upon you. This is exactly like not the type of evil you notice immediately. I mean, if you succumb to the challenges of existence, and you murder someone, you know that this is shut up. I think that's clear. Or you weaken and take a bribe, I think you start feeling, having guilty conscience about it right away. But how about the type of creeping evil that you, can, you don't even notice, that creeps up upon you and really, you don't notice until the stench of its rot becomes impossible to hide. That is more specific but more dangerous. Because it is cumulative and slow. And has that connotation in error This creeping evil that spreads slowly but deliberately. The 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 corrupt what is is that slow deliberative process as we said waqab means dahan that enters starts entering inside of you. Here is you know you might not notice for example that after running a mosque in which you deal I mean let's say you are the, 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 the responsible for the distribution of zakah to 50,000 people, you might not notice after 20 years that you stopped caring. And you really do not give a hoot who lives or dies anymore. That does not happen overnight. It creeps in. And suddenly you look back and you say, My God, I really don't care. And usually it is a traumatic event. Like, for example, a child dies because of your neglect. That confronts you with this reality. It's how much you've changed. If you are undergoing the process of self-reflection and self-scrutiny, trauma does not need to wake you up and shake you into alertness. But if you're not, then it will often be that you will only be awakened by trauma, perhaps, at the moment of death. The trauma of the moment of death. It's, it's I've heard that you, someone in San Francisco is quite religious, well, I don't know, Allah but one of the you know, masjid people, Beard, uh, Jalabiyya, he was a cat brother. undergraduate a graduate student as well. And he was quite strict. I mean, quite, quite, quite strict about everything. His wife was a muhajaba that he sort of had very, very strict rules for. And then a point of trauma not only confronted him, but confronted all of us with something that crept in. And that what had crept in is that he had been in, a, in, a, in a, an illicit relationship with a woman over two years. Now, when you come and you say, how did this happen? You go to the mosque every day, you're giving the khutbas. You're, you're locking woman up in, in a separate building, the, the whole thing. And you... How did this take place? And it is the incomprehension when one stops using the intellect until it rocks, literally. I mean when the inter- the only thing that what saves you here is the intellect that keeps the heart away. Because the intellect doesn't allow you to make excuses and doesn't allow you to escape points of causality. Like the intellect, if you say, well, this is like my like my malakat you, know, you see, you draw an analogy. If you're not keen in intellect, you say, well, the Qur'an says either your right or who your right hands possess. And I declare this to be my right hands possess. But if your intellect is sharp, then you know that's a stupid argument. And the concubine, or the equivalent of a concubine, is not a right hand to possess, that, that you don't take them as, as mistresses. But obviously the intellect has rotted and has slowed down to a halt. And because the intellect has slowed down to a halt, the heart was permitted not to be scrutinized or examined, and it has died as well. And this happens more than you think it does. It happens all the time, everywhere.